0: Welcome to Carmel Presbyterian Church's podcast channel. Open up a Bible or just listen in. We hope this week's message is a blessing to you. I guess it's me. I was thinking there was somebody who was reading scripture this morning, but I uh, guess not. So, well, thank you, first of all, for the opportunity to preach this morning and and uh, to Luke and Dorothy and to Abby for this invitation to be here as one of the Advent uh, communicators during, during this time. So appreciate that very much. Secondly, I want to just mention that I'm one of the people who are serving on the pastor nominating committee. And I want to thank you for the privilege of that kind of service a, as well. And we take that responsibility with a great sense of awe, that uh, this responsibility on our shoulders, but also with a great sense of confidence uh, that God will lead us Uh, to the right person to be here as our our next pastor. So keep praying for us that uh, we are being guided. There's a wonderful sense of unity among the seven of us uh, on that team. And we're looking forward to what the product will be as soon as God brings that about. Well, this morning, as you maybe see from your bulletin, we're looking at uh, Mary, the annunciation of Angel Gabriel to Mary and the message that she has delivered to her. But before I get to that text, I want to start with a story this morning. There was a man by the name of Abraham Heschel, who was one of the great Jewish theologians and philosophers of the last century. And in 1972, he suffered a near fatal heart attack, which prompted a visit from a longtime personal friend, Rabbi Samuel Dresner. And when he came back from his heart attack, he was in very weakened condition. This was the first visitor that he would receive at his home. He kind of got himself out of bed to receive uh, Sam as he came to visit. He was looking weak and rat- rather pale. And As he was sitting on the couch and his friend was there, uh, he spoke very slowly with some effort. and All he could do was kind of whisper uh, his message. Sam, he said, when I regain consciousness... My first feelings were not of despair or anger; I felt only gratitude to God for my life, for every moment that I had lived. I was ready to depart. Take me, O Lord! I thought. I've seen so many miracles in my lifetime. And even with that, few words, he was exhausted, had to gain, gain, gain his breath, and then continued. This is what I meant when I wrote: I did not ask for success. I ask for wonder, and you gave it to me. Isn't that a great thing to ask for, for life, Just to ask for wonder? To be a little bit repetitious here, what a wonderful quality uh, to ask for wonder in our life. But it occurred to me that that's not something that automatically comes to us. It's something we have to cultivate and get to develop in our life. It's, we can be kind of clueless about wonder uh, Elizabeth Barrett Browning uh, made this point with a little touch of humor in a poem she wrote. She wrote Earth's crammed with heaven, and every common bush afire with God, but only to he who takes off his shoes. The rest just sit around and pluck blackberries. <laughs> every common bush afire with God, or just sit around and pluck blackberries. One of the churches I served uh, was in Chicago, and we had a wonderful children's ministry director as a part of that. And she used to challenge the kids every Sunday morning to go out and look for what she called God sightings. And then come back and report your God sightings the next week. And what she was saying to these kids was, that's something that we observe and develop in, in, in our life. It's not something necessarily that comes naturally. So what would happen if we started each day by saying, Lord, open my eyes to your presence in nature around me, in the people I encounter, in the insights from Scripture, in the promptings of your Holy Spirit. I'm almost tempted to stop right here and take a microphone out and say, any God sightings this week? (laughs) Anything to report? What have we seen? Well, it's something we have to develop uh, in our own own life. But I would have to admit, and maybe you would too, that uh, sometimes we miss The God sightings, because we have not been developing a mindset for it. Now, we live in one of the most gorgeous places on this planet. But can the backdrop just become so familiar to us that we miss the hand of God out in creation around us? What about the people all around us? C.S. Lewis, in his wonderful sermon called The Weight of Glory, reminds us that every day the presence of fellow human beings are a sacrament, he says, A means of grace to us. He writes this in this sermon There are no ordinary people. It is immortals with whom we joke, work, marry, snub, or exploit. Next to the Blessed Sacrament, he writes out of the Anglican tradition, your neighbor is the holiest object presented to your senses. When was the last time we thought that thought? (laughs) Our neighbor was the holiest object presented to our senses. Well, Mary has a wonderful God sighting (laughs) in our story. Uh, The angel Gabriel comes to her and has an announcement for her and shares what is going to be happening in her life that uh, is of extraordinary proportions. And she's in the midst of this mystery and astonishment and wonder because it takes us right to the core of our faith when we look at our text this morning. The very heart of mystery is what we'll be pondering today. And I want to look at the, the wonder of grace, the wonder of God made flesh, and the wonder of a miraculous virgin birth that we will see in terms of that announcement to Mary. So if you want to turn in your scriptures to, to Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38, it's on page 855 in our pew Bibles. If there, or take out your app and turn to that particular portion of the scripture. And as you do so, let me lead us in prayer. O oh Lord, you have said he was eyes to see. Let him see. Open our eyes to God's sightings as we revisit this very familiar story. So we turn our attention to Luke chapter 1, verse 26, and following the wonder of grace. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Angel Gabriel has entered the story already. He had visited Zechariah in the the city of Jerusalem in the temple. And now he is transported about 50 miles north uh, to Nazareth, where he locates him. He begins to speak to a a young virgin girl. Mary was probably no more than 15 years old, is what we suspect. And this very out-of-the-way community called Nazareth. But Gabriel comes with words of grace The first thing we notice is how repetitious the language is in the text. Verse 28 says, greetings, you who are highly favored. The word greeting literally is grace or favor to you. You who are highly favored. So literally it's what it's saying here. Grace, O graced one, you have been endued with grace, in case you missed the point. (laughs) Repetitious. Then verse 30 says the same thing. You have found favor with God. So what is Angel Gabriel saying? It's not about you, Mary. Yes, you are a virgin. God has selected that. Yes, you are a devout one. But what this is all about is for a reason only known to God himself, he has put his favor upon you to be the instrument through which to bring the Messiah and the world. So don't ever think it's about you. Uh, We don't know God's reason for why he bestows grace upon whom he bestows grace, but that's up to him. Now, if you are from a Roman Catholic background, and I guess as some of us are here, what you may have heard as a translation is: here is Mary, hail Mary, full of grace. And what that sounds like is that the focus is on Mary. That she is the kind of the receptacle of grace and bestows grace. She is the one who gives out grace. But that's not the point here in the text. The point is just the opposite. It doesn't put a focus on Mary's qualifications to be the mother of our Lord. Merit is not there. It's only because of God's grace for the reason only known to him that he bestows grace upon her. And this is kind of the way God works. He works in a way that he finds oftentimes very unlikely people to focus on and has them to be the instrument through which God does some things in the world. Now, the Lord seems to accentuate this by operating contrary to our human values. We might expect that the announcement of the coming of our Lord would have been in Judea, in the city of David, Jerusalem, the center of religious life. But where does the angel go? To this community called Nazareth, about 50 miles north, of, I say. It's kind of hillbilly country. People have strange accents there. They were not known as law keepers in this particular place. And so when Nazareth is mentioned, what was one of the prospective followers of of Jesus saying about Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And so instead of a religious site, the angel goes to kind of a private home. Instead of somebody who is well known uh, to make this announcement to, uh, a 13 to 15-year-old girl with no distinguishing characteristics, is the object of God's favor. Why Mary? Truly, only God knows. That's the nature of grace. For reason only known to God himself, he bestows his grace upon whom he wills. And this is the pattern that we see in other places. When the people of Israel were asking Moses, why have we, the Jews, have been chosen of all the people on the face of the earth to be his favored and chosen people. You know, or as one person said, how odd of God to choose the Jews. <laughs> and what was Moses' response to the people's question? The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his own possessions out of all the peoples that are on the face of the earth. This is it not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love upon you and chose you. You are, in fact, the fewest of the people. But it's because the Lord loves you. Why Israel? Why Mary? (laughs) Because God, in his freedom for reasons he has not decided to tell us, has bestowed his grace. And this leads me to what I call the why-me wonder of grace. Oftentimes, when we use the phrase why-me we're using it kind of in anger. Some tragedy has come down upon ourselves. And why has this been allowed to happen to me? Why me? But I want to change that. I think that we need to replace the why me associated with poor me to wow, me. I get to be the recipient of grace. And this is the grace that bowled over Mary. Mary it's the same grace that surprisingly comes to us in Christ. I think myself personally, why do I have the privilege of knowing the love of God? Is it because I have innate insight that other people do not have? No. Is it because I'm smarter than others that I have had the privilege of getting to know the grace of God in my life? No. Am I more lovable? <laughs> Uh, I think I know myself enough to say no. Better looking than others? Well, maybe I'm onto something there. But I'm... no, we can't point to anything in ourselves. It's wow, me. Have we stopped to think about that recently in our own life, of the wonder that God has called us into relationship? With himself and bestowed his grace upon us. And I'm guessing that Mary, throughout the rest of her days, lived with that sense of wonder. Why me? Well, because God has chosen her. Well, that's only the beginning of wonder. We move on to a second kind of wonder here. Mary is told that the identity of the child would would occupy her womb. And it says that she was greatly troubled at what Gabriel was saying to her. And she's probably saying to herself, where is this going? What's this conversation leading to? What's the reason for being favored uh, of God? Well, she didn't have to wait too long to find that out. Verses 31 through 33, we read, "'And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, "'and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great, "'and will be called the Son of the Most High. "'And the Lord will give to him the throne of his father David, "'and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever.'" And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Take that in, Mary. (laughs) Ponder that for a moment in terms of why you are the favored one. It might be worth pausing to remember that the birth of any child is a wonder. If I were to take some time and ask you, when have you experienced the wonder of God in your life? When when did you have that sense of awe and astonishment, God showing up in ways that... uh, Left, that, let you, left you speechless. Many of us, I think, in this room would say, at the birth of our first child, it's a girl. It's a boy. It's twins. Uh, yikes. <laughs> As a parent, you look at all those bodily parts being in place. You hold them in your arm and you're saying, wow, amazing. How many of us have said, it's, it's a miracle? The birth of a child can be so powerful that it can bring a person to faith. A historical character that you may not know is a man by the name of Whitaker Chambers. Whitaker Chambers was a member of the Communist Party from 1925 to 1938. He was actually a Soviet spy here in the United States. And he was the one that uh, called out Alger Hiss as a partner in espionage. But in 1938, he changed abruptly. And he went from being a communist to being a Christ follower, and he left the communist party. And he wrote a book called Witness, and he says that it was the birth of his daughter that first got him to think about the fact that there was a creator that had a design. And as he looked at his daughter in her high chair one day, he wrote, she was the most miraculous thing that had ever happened in my life. My eye came to rest on the delicate convolutions of her ear, those intricate, perfect ears. The thought passed through my mind. Now remember, he's an atheist, supposedly. (laughs) No, those ears were not created by any chance coming together of atoms in nature. They could have been created only by immense design. The thought was involuntary, unwanted. I did not know then at that moment that the finger of God was first placed upon my forehead. That started his transformation. The child in Mary's womb would be unlike any other child who has ever been or will be born. (laughs) And Gabriel affirms five things about this child. First of all, that you are to call his name Jesus. Jesus is the Greek version of the Hebrew name for Joshua. You know, Joshua was the one who led the people out into into the promised land. The name Joshua literally means Jehovah's salvation. Uh, When Joseph says that the angel spoke to him, you shall name this child Jesus. For why? For he will save his people from their sins. And that's what the name Jesus means. So he's the, the savior, the Messiah who's coming to deliver us. Secondly, he will be great. Now, if there was ever an understatement, there's that one. He is the greatest. No apologies to Muhammad Ali here or there. <laughs> Simply said, by whatever measure you choose to apply, Jesus had more impact on human history than any other figure. Why? Thirdly, because he will be called the Son of the Most High. He's the unique Son of the Father from all of eternity. Well, aren't we all sons and daughters of God? No, we are adopted sons and daughters of God. There is only one natural son from all of eternity. We were born as orphans needing to be adopted into the family, and it was because of this eternal son and what he did that we were adopted into this family. Well, we live in a culture where we've been infused by Eastern religions, by the uh, New Age movement, that says, oh, we're all children of God. We're all part of a cosmic consciousness. No, there's nothing unique and different about Jesus. Oh, yes, there is. He's the one, only, eternal Son who came in human flesh to be among us, the center of, of that life. Fourthly, the Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. King David's reign will become, became a type of the Messiah's reign to come. The Lord promised that through the line of David that a Messiah would come. In 2 Samuel seven twelve, we read, when your days are over and, the rest, and you rest with your father, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. So Mary and Joseph come from the line of David. They go to the Bethlehem to have their child born there because that's where David's city was. So the fulfillment of that promise. And then finally, the fifth affirmation from Gabriel, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Or as the late Eugene Peterson wrote in his translation, the message, no end ever to his kingdom. Jesus himself said, after his resurrection, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Simply said, Jesus dwarfs all human authority. All rulers and civilizations come and go, including our own, but one remains, the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And if I could sing well, I would have sung the hallelujah chorus right at that moment. We just went to a performance of the Messiah up at Davies Symphony Hall on Friday night, and that was quite a worship experience, seeing our Lord declared in that way. So could you imagine Mary cradling this child and looking at him and wondering about the identity of this child and the impact that he would have on history and eternity? I'm holding God in human form in my arms. Wow. Harry Reasoner, the late CBS commentator, captured the wonder of the Word made flesh as well as any I've ever read. He said, Christmas is such a unique idea. I think most non Christians envy it. If Christmas is the anniversary of the Lord of the universe in the form of a helpless baby, it's quite a day. <laughs> people are afraid of God and standing in his very bright light. But everyone has seen babies and almost everyone likes them. So if God wanted to be loved as well as feared, he moved correctly here. And if he wanted to move no people as well as rule them, he moved correctly. So it comes beyond logic. It's what a bishop called a divine insanity. It's either a falsehood or it's the truest thing in all the world. It's the story of the great innocence of God the baby. And it's such a dramatic shot to the heart that if it's not true, for Christians, nothing is true. Wow. Veiled in flesh, the incarnate deity, we sing, and hark the herald angels sing. The wonder of God made flesh is the second wonder. Then then the third wonder here is the wonder of Christ's miraculous conception. Notice I didn't say immaculate conception, miraculous conception. Mary, upon hearing the announcement, says, How will this be? I'm a virgin. Literally, she's saying, Virgin, I have known no man. Virgins do not give birth to babies. (laughs) She knows that she has not violated her betrothal. Basically, there were three stages related to, to marriage in those days. The first one was the marriage was arranged. Mary and Joseph's parents got them arranged together to be husband and wife. They did not choose each other. And then there was the betrothal. This is kind of the engagement stage for one year. Um, but there was no consummation of the relationship during that period of time. And then after a year, there was marriage where the marriage could then be consummated. And Mary knows that she has not known Joseph. Well, the doctrine of the virgin birth has probably been challenged more by skeptics and especially in our scientific age than anything else. People look at that doctrine and they say, "It's incredible. You know that's ridiculous. That people would believe that. But interestingly enough, the very first skeptic of the virgin birth was who? Mary. How will this be since I'm a virgin? And interestingly enough, who is it that writes about the virgin birth? The only doctor that is recorded in the New Testament is Luke, Dr. Luke. I think Dr. Luke probably knew something about how babies were made, you know? but he's the one that records for us this virgin birth. Some of Mary's own questioning is captured by a dialogue from the TV show sometime back called 30-something. And it's a dialogue between Hope, who is a Christian, and her husband, Michael, who's a man from the Jewish background. And so Hope says to her husband, Michael, why do you even bother with Hanukkah? Do you really believe a handful of Jews held off a huge army by using a bunch of lamps that miraculously would not run out of oil? to which Michael exploded. Oh, oh, and Christmas makes more sense? Do you really believe an angel appeared to some teenage girl who then got pregnant without having sex, traveled on horseback to Bethlehem where she spent the night in a barn and had a baby who turned out to be the savior of the world? (laughs) Do you believe that? Well, we do, don't we? And so she asked the question, how can this be? And the angel tells her, Verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, the key word in that whole phrase is the word overshadowed. Uh, overshadow means there's a cloud, and a cloud in the Scriptures has to do with the presence of the glory of God. You know, when the temple was dedicated uh, in Jerusalem under Solomon... Uh, all the priests had to flee because the glory of God came in the form of a cloud over the temple, the presence of the holy and pure God. When Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration and, and you know, lit up <laughs> like light bulbs, a cloud came down and there was an announcement, this is my son, listen to him, the presence of the glory of God. Dr. Luke doesn't give us a biological explanation here for how this took place. He gives us a supernatural explanation. Again, just like grace. How do you explain it? The presence of the glory of God into the body of this young lady. And she now is the temple in whom Christ dwells. Many of you, I'm sure, know the name Larry King. Is that familiar to you? The person who made his reputation by being an interviewer. Interviewed the rich and famous, the political leaders, the influential of the world. And one day he was interviewing an individual. I don't know who it was, but this individual decided to turn the tables on Larry King. And so the interviewee became the interviewer. And so he asked Larry King, if you could select anyone across history to interview, who would it be? And immediately Larry King said, Jesus Christ. kind of surprised the interviewee and said, well, what would you, a skeptical Jew, want to ask Jesus? He said, I would like to ask him if he indeed was virgin born. The answer to that question would define history for me. Isn't that interesting? Spur of the moment, that's what he came back with. Something he'd been thinking about. If Jesus were virgin born, that would define history. And it does. We used to see it defining time, B.C. and A.D., before and after Jesus. G.I. Packer has written, the supreme mystery of the gospel lies not in the Good Friday message of atonement, nor in the Easter message of the resurrection, but in the Christmas message of the incarnation. If you can believe that Jesus was God in flesh yeah, then you can believe a virgin birth. Yeah, you can believe a resurrection because this is one none like any other. Whew, that's a lot for a teenage girl to take in, isn't it? An angel identified as Gabriel tells her that she of all the women for all time has been chosen to be the surrogate, the surrogate mother for the incarnate God who would then enter this planet by means of her miraculous birth. What a wonder. Well, how would she respond to that? Well, she would respond in worship. And the very first act of worship is submission. Submission to God's plan. She yields to the impossible possibility, to this divine insanity. And she says in verse 38 of our text, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. God, I'm going to let you be God. I don't need to fully comprehend this. I can't explain it. Yet God has said it, and I affirm it. Even though she, by doing that, was bringing on a boatload of trouble. (laughs) Can you imagine? She lived in this small town of Nazareth, and she's now pregnant uh, and had to explain away. This is a small town. Everybody's gossiping, the gossip mongers. She knew that by acceding to that, that this was going to occur. But it does say that Mary pondered all these things and stored them up in her heart. She tucked all of this away in her own spirit, and at some moment, this wonder would kind of gush forth. You might recall that Mary went to visit her kinswoman, uh, Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth about ready to deliver John the Baptist at that time. And when L- Elizabeth saw Mary, she was filled with the Holy Spirit, and it says that uh, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you shall bear. And it was as if in that moment all that had been stored up in her that she could now exile. And she exhaled praise. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked upon the humble estate of his servant. Wonder, gratitude, that's the heart of worship. Could there be any more God sightings than that? Let me conclude with this quote from J.I. Packer. He puts it so poignantly It's here, in the thing that happened at the first Christmas, that the profoundest and most unfathomable depths of Christian revelation lie. The Almighty appeared on earth as a helpless human baby, unable to do more than lie and stare and wiggle and make noises, needing to be fed and changed and taught to talk like any other child. And there is no illusion and deception in this. The babyhood of the Son of God was a reality. The more you think about it, the more staggering it gets. Nothing in fiction is so fantastic as the truth of the incarnation. Let me invite us to be still for a moment. If there was a God sighting this morning, what was it in your spirit? How did the Holy Spirit speak to you? So let's go before him now in a time of quiet and reflect on the meaning of this message, on Gabriel's message to Mary, the wonder of grace, the wonder of God made flesh, the wonder of a miraculous birth. Lord, speak to us. Oh, Lord, we pray that that you would take what so can easily become familiar and commonplace and cause us to rejoice with a sense of wonder, awe, astonishment, amazement, mystery. Or as J.B. Phillips has said, we are the visited planet. Thank you for putting your stamp of specialness on us, Lord, we pray in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Carmel Presbyterian Church, visit our website at www.carmelpres.org or any of our social media pages. Have a blessed rest of your week.